we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we have decided to go to the unknown, a place that might be dark, icky, and sticky. You might be on the surface, you might be in the underdark, but either way, we're probably going to talk about some stuff that you may know, you may not know, and you may not like us talking about it, but that's okay, because... We're going to poke the bear. I think that's the best way to say it. We're going to poke the bear. We may, you know, last episode we talked about unpopular nerd opinions. Now we're going to talk about a subject that you may like or may think, wow, these guys are just off their rockers. Why would they say something like this? But the truth is, we can't always like everything. We can't always be yes men. And sometimes when talking about something that we love, you got to point out the nasty, horrible things. You know, it's like going to the movie theater back when you were a kid and you loved the movie, but then you went to lift your feet and because of every other person that left every nasty soda or whatever, your feet stick to the floor because sometimes you have to deal with the garbage. And on that <laughs> note, I do just want to say thank you, gentlemen, for sticking with me, if you'll allow such a messy segue. Ooh. Uh, uh, you know, some of the some of the things that I presented last week may have gotten some people a little riled up i'm not going to say who they might be recording <laughs> right now but uh you know it was still a good time and, and i had and to deal with it for a week you <laughs> just kidding it's okay i i never but get now riled up get, uh, now at least we can get a little bit of resolution and it's okay because i never get riled up the moment i realize someone else is just totally wrong <laughs> when was the last time that happened oh we could go today hmm. all right so uh, the all right, gloves so, have been taken off look at that all time for big boy gloves now all right so uh no it's i loved last week's episode i had so much fun with it alton i loved your perspective because it allowed me to the, i i always i always like hearing um contrary perspectives because it gives me a moment to understand something from a different point of view and it challenges me to understand what it is that i believe or why i like something or why i don't like something so in all seriousness alton you are awesome and i really loved our episode last week oh, much appreciated Krebs. but yeah folks if you're hearing our voices now and you didn't listen to last week's episode or the week before when we were talking with tracy hickman make sure to go check them out um, even so far, we've been seeing that a lot of positive response from the community, which means that if you haven't heard it, this is your opportunity. And the other important piece with that is that uh, one of the outcomes of last week was a very vigorous, uh, <laughs> resounding response from Dan towards a particular uh, quick thrown opinion right at the tail end of the episode that is the whole premise for this week. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's, and it's beautiful. It's awesome. Okay. So if it's not obvious by now, I mean, we've talked for the last few years now about our various experiences with tabletop RPGs of, of different titles, but of course the seminal IP in all of RPG dom is, of, is Dungeons and Dragons and it's, and it's various forms that it has taken. And the truth is, even though I learned a lot about tabletop RPGs through Dungeons and Dragons, over the last three decades, I haven't really experienced much of it. I haven't played any campaigns of any meaningful value. I haven't, I, I, I've talked to people who play, but I myself have not experienced the world as it has changed over time. And one of the realms, one of the branches of the D&D family is the Forgotten Realms world and storyline and all the characters therein. And as is true of, of all D&D, there are so many rich areas to explore. We were talking about it and we were thinking that it would be a great idea for us to explore Faerun and all of the Forgotten Realms, which is great because I know little to nothing about it. At least I think I know little to nothing about it. I, I've seen it in passing. That's pretty much it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've read Bob Salvatore's Dark Elf books, right? I have, 
gotten through the very first Drist novel because I would never knew about them until I was an adult. And I've only, I've only gone through one book so far. Well, there you go. You know a little bit about Faerun because that's set in Faerun. That is true. And we'll make sure we'll make sure to let personal friend of the show, Bob Salvatore, know that you hate his work. Oh, no, no, we won't. No, no, that. this is not another inflammatory <laughs> episode. I'm sorry. I can't we'll just, do that. We'll just wait till Bob's on the episode. It, it was, I don't hate Bob's <laughs> work. I read any of your books except for that one. No, but but here's <laughs> okay. the thing is even though a lot of people have come to know Faerun through Bob Salvatore uh, and, and Dritzt and even a lot of the computer games that were present through the 2000s, Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights and things let's, like that. Let's, let's go to early 90s when Menzo Berenzon was out there on uh, on the computer. And you had to put, you know, you got so far, then you'd have to eject the disc and load another disc on just to play the next section of the game. Oh, man, you have Come to on. use your hands. That's like a baby's toy. I know, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but, but there's the thing, though, right, is like... Forgotten Realms goes even way before that. Yeah. Um, even if we're just considering the, you know, official intellectual property timeline, but but one of the reasons, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later, that it has had such lasting power is because it has done an excellent job of simultane- simultaneously codifying the things that you would expect to see in a fantasy world while presenting new ideas and new opportunities and huge depth of lore and content and world building in what feels natural and consumable and understandable and logical, even though it still holds a deep enchantment to it. You know, um, indulge me for a minute. I'll do the, I'll do the five minute condensed history of of the forgotten realms so the forgotten realms is fundamentally the brainchild of ed green um who from excuse me ed greenwood ah sorry my brain was fritzing because i'm moving on to the next sentences already in my head um uh, sorry forgotten realms is, is fundamentally the brainchild of ed greenwood who from the time that he was a child was already telling stories and exploring his imagination within this realm this world right um and Ultimately, as Dungeons and Dragons uh, started to become a thing, fortunately, he was adjacent to some people who were playing who got him into it. And so he started to build a lot of his own campaigns and his own materials there. Um, and, it, and it allowed it to breathe a lot of life and bring it into the public perception. Um, it ultimately was noticed by TSR, where he was invited out Um, to come pitch it and see if it was something that he'd be interested in. Somewhere around that time, he was asked a question about, you know, is this something that you're just like making up as you go? Or do you just have this huge background lore and knowledge tucked away somewhere to which his answer was the perfect inclusive or yes. Right. When someone asks if you're a God, you say yes. You say yes. (laughs) Which he really is the God of that that world he's the he one is. that created it absolutely um and and the thing was is that he was honestly from everything that i've heard and read and i've talked to people who were adjacent at the time he he just seemed to be so chuffed about the idea of it becoming this official thing that you know he worked out a deal with tsr that was definitely in tsr's favor um because he just wanted to see it in the real world and he knew that that creation coming to life in other ways and maybe even unimaginable ways was going to be able to do some some beautiful things for him as a creative um even beyond that though i mean obviously it's ballooned into this huge intellectual property but in the early days at at tsr you know they had multiple different settings going on and they were trying as they were moving into ad and d and second getting ready for second edition to try to get everything onto the same page and as part of that process, a number of different intellectual properties, including Dragonlance and, and, and others, were considered, and they opted to kick off Forgotten Realms as one of the primary settings. And a lot of the other huge creators in the early days at TSR ported modules that they had brought into the Forgotten Realms lore. 
to be able to make it more compatible and more accessible to people. A lot of the fundamental, uh, you know, role-playing aesthetics of Dungeons and Dragons, including character alignment and deities and things like that, a lot of that comes from the Forgotten Realms lore that already existed. But they also brought an, uh, uh, an up-and-coming author by the name of Robert Salvatore in to come and help flesh out the universe with all of these other creatives that were going on. And this really brought it in the late 80s into the public eye um, through the adventures of Drit Stewart and, um, and, it, and it created a lot of opportunity for people to be able to connect with it, even if they weren't actively playing Dungeons and Dragons, it was a rich, deep fantasy world where a lot of things made sense and it just seems to stick. Um, fast forward, right? Uh, Wizards of the Coast purchases TSR. Second edition comes out and Wizards makes this huge push to say, this is our primary setting. But one of the critical pieces of the Forgotten Realms lore is that it is a, it is a realm that is accessed by portals, which means that we can also connect it to all of our other individual intellectual properties in various ways to make sure that players can play the way that they want to play in the worlds that they want to play with, with the characters and the heroes that they want to play with. And it creates this super rich lattice of all of these intellectual properties as Wizards of the Coast really starts to take it over in the 90s. Um, ultimately, you get into the early 2000s. They're starting to make this push into the digital space. Hasbro takes notice and buys Wizards of the Coast. In preparation for a third edition of Dungeons and Dragons, they decide that that we're going to narrow in even more on Faerun specifically. Um, we still do see a lot of other um, adjacent planes in the Forgotten Realms like Dark Sun, um, but uh, through the 2000s in particular, you're seeing a huge focus on Neverwinter and Baldur's Gate and um, you know, all, all of the major locales that people know. Um, meanwhile, they're working away on what appears to be this budding interest in the wargaming market again in North America, and they opt to come out with the fourth edition of D&D. And as they do so, despite the fact that 3.5 is arguably one of the most popular mm -hmm. products ever created, um, I know that fifth edition has since passed it, but considering the time frame that fifth edition has had versus the time thing that 3.5 had, not even close. Okay. My opinion. I'm not going to try to bring actual data to this fight. Okay. <laughs> anyway, getting sidetracked, side questing, coming back. They prepare this event uh, called the Sundering. Yep. In which we are going to essentially break all of those portals and all of those connections. We're going to jump forward a little bit in the timeline. We are going to rewrite a whole bunch of the deities and streamline a whole bunch of the lore to make it more accessible because fourth edition is going to be miniatures based by Galleon. What Wargamer wants story in their game? Uh, war, in the, uh, what Wargamer wants a story in their role-playing game? Um, that is my cynical viewpoint on fourth edition, which is a whole other episode on its own. But nevertheless, the numbers prove out fourth edition is not extremely popular with the vast majority of players, even though there are some very interesting mechanical and lore tidbits that come out of it that shape the future of RPGs as a whole, it is not well received. So Wizards very quickly starts spinning up another edition. And as part of that, have a year long media event called the Second Sundering in which we are streamlining even more because clearly one of the risks that we took too much risk on was having too expansive of a universe. We really need to get our stories in a nice, neat little basket. Again, cynical. That's not based on any type of actual conversation with a Wizards employee. It's just my outside observation. Fifth edition launches. We see Faerun as the primary setting. And even though we have had a connection to Ravenloft, as an outside source and a couple of odd and end crossover things with like Critical Role and Rick and Morty. We Magic really gathering. don't see uh, Magic the Gathering most recently. We, we really don't see connections to other realms besides Faerun, yeah. at least up until this point. 
um, partially out of a sense of trying to be conservative, partially because they, they really want to build a robust library of content with mechanical meaning to players, and partially because, as we said before, one of the greatest strengths of Forgotten Realms is that it's easy to understand, but deep enough to have a lot of exploration. And that brings us to the present day where the only two outside official connections that we have seen to the Forgotten Realms in terms of being able to move between planes is into the MTG multiverse as of just a few months ago mm -hmm. and Ravenloft, which has always existed as kind of a pseudo demi plane that could be anywhere and nowhere at yeah. once. There's your much longer than five minute history. Thank you everybody for <laughs> coming to my Ted talk and, uh, you know, now the, the, the critical question that I, that I want to pose is now that I've recanted a lot of the history, Dan, as one of the people who is there in the middle of all of this streamlining and reduction and media explosion and attention, what are some of the things that you love most about the Forgotten Realms, both Faerun itself, as well as some of the other adjacent realms that maybe we haven't seen enough of yet? Well, let me first start off by saying... The Krebs, you just haven't played with the right DMs. That's the reason. That's true. I am. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um. You know what got me into Room originally were the novels, which is something I know they have dropped, which is so disappointing. Um. That is what originally got me into the world of Room. You know, Bob's books, uh, Ed's books. You know, about El Minister. Uh, even Troy Denning, uh, fantastic. I mean, he's an attorney by day, but a fantastic uh, author uh, on the side. And he has not only has he written Star Wars, but man, he's contributed a lot to the Forgotten Realms. Um, and there are a, a plethora of other fantastic authors. Um, their names just aren't coming to mind. But the stories are what got me interested in the realms because here are characters that life has been breathed into them they're adventuring they're going through these lands which made me like hey what would it be like if i was an adventurer you know following along maybe i, I wasn't on the same quest that dritz was but you know he went through this town and what if you know and and they mentioned kind of this fight going on over here what if my character was in that fight or what if my character or my group was running behind, you know, picking up after Dritz and the Companions trails, um, you know, and, and helping Ten Towns or going along the Sword Coast. That's what really got me invested. I mean, and, and the joy of Fer Faroon is it's so huge. I mean, there's so many locations. You don't need if you know following Dritz's story is not your thing. That's fine. You can go anywhere. It's that's the beauty of it. It's so large, and there's such in-depth information that you can read and you can find out. That it that is the beauty of what Ed has created. Is it is a big enough sandbox you can play anywhere you want, and that's okay. Uh, and the Sundering. So I'll roll back a bit. You know, it was really interesting the way they they handled this. You know, there was the time of troubles, and that was introducing third edition. And because of the rule change, you could tell in the writing something had changed, and that's their that was their explanation. You know, some gods disappeared, new gods showed up, some powers changed here and there, and then you know we had the next thing that happened for fourth edition, and then we had the big sundering for fifth edition. And creatively, I understand why they did that. And, but there were many things that were lost too. Like the fact you couldn't go to, you know, Kryn. You couldn't go to Eberron. You couldn't go to Ravenloft. But now you can, maybe. I don't know. Um, the, the, the lore is still out on that one. Yeah. It's its own episode. Interesting. Well. That is. But what is frustrating to me more than anything is, so, okay, so they sundered it. They took it away. They put it in its own little bubble. Um, and they kind of did that in the writing, you know, with Kryn too. You know, 
Kryn was stolen away by Takesis and taken somewhere else secretly and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I, I get at one point, it's like, okay, you know, there's all these, you know, revenue streams or uh, no, not, that's not what I'm thinking, not revenue streams, uh, products or whatever, product lines. Let's, let's condense it down to one. But what is really frustrating is instead of opening that back up, now we're connected to magic. You know, okay, you're going to do that. Let's open it back up to Kryn. Let's open it back up to Eberron. Dark Sun. Man, I love Dark Sun. That was a fantastic setting. You know, Conan-esque with aliens and a desert planet that everyone struggles to live on. But that's gone. I mean, I... It was up there till third edition. Now that's gone. Um, so why is it survived? I think it survived because it was lush. It was a huge sandbox. Crane is fantastic, has deep lore, but there are two continents on that planet that no one knows about. Everyone knows about Ancelon. No one knows about Talalis, and I can't even remember the third continent's name. Um, and as rich as Dragonlance was, it, it, it really is kind of a bookended plane. Yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely niche. It's a, a niche market for that, and it, it thrives still. But uh, a lot of that world survived in the novels, which again got yanked off the shelf. You know, they're starting to come back, but you can't go out there and get this plethora of knowledge from these books like you could you could i mean even forgotten realms has disappeared but you mean the realm has game wise forgotten <gasps> yeah yeah oh my um, gosh but you know it didn't have crin didn't couldn't survive because it didn't have the same attention um i think dark sun the same thing you know they'd only put out one book about it you didn't have multiple books like we have uh, with Forgotten Rome. So I think they've really done a disservice. It would be awesome if there was a team totally devoted to Dark Sun and they put out constant material like we're getting. We have one team with Forgotten Realms that's putting out material like we're getting. We have one for Dragonlands. Because when D&D first rolled out, there wasn't this, this world, this world, that way. The beauty of it is you could do anything. And D&D still has that flexibility. You can use your own homebrew, your own world, whatever. But we've kind of lost that, I think. Funnily enough, a, uh, a little factoid about Forgotten Realms. Um, originally in the lore, before TSR um, purchased the rights, um, Ed had designed it so that you could act, Earth had a portal to the Forgotten Realms, yeah. to Faerun specifically. Um, TSR, at the time with, the satanic panic and the other things that were going on they were worried about a situation in which kids would go out and hurt themselves trying to open a portal yeah to Faerun, right but um but that was one of the fundamental tenets of the world is if i can't do it on this world i can go somewhere that i can well i mean look at look at stranger things that's that exact thing is mm -hmm. hey there's a portal to earth and i think that was kind of for those that don't know the deep lore, I think that was what they were going for is, hey, Earth has a connection to these other planes. Let's, you know, that's how we can have Demogorgon or whatever, you know, all the other monsters that are showing up. And I think that was fantastic. And I picked up on that right away. But fundamentally, I feel like all these fantastic worlds have been strip mined. I mean, we're, we're seeing it now. I mean, we're getting a book that's coming out next month called Fisben's Fabulous Treasures. Unless, you know, Fisben is from Dra is the mortal name of the god of good from Dragonlance. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some mention of Draconian, but the rest of that has nothing to do with, um, with Dragonlance itself. But yet we're throwing that now into to, to Faerun. Why? Why are we doing that? why not open up Dragonlance again? Um, and, and again, it's like, we're just missing stuff. I, I think the game, they're missing the point in the game because it comes down to the dollar. Yeah. I mean, for Dragonlance specifically, two weeks ago, 
you know, Tracy did let us know that um, there's some news on the Dragonlance front uh, in yeah. terms of, of new novels being published from him and Margaret. Who knows what the gods at Hasbro, the, the uh, analysts <laughs> on high, have deemed appropriate for their favorite neglected property. Well, I mean, sorry, look, that was a deep opinion, but you know, no, you're, yeah, that is. Your, <laughs> but I mean, look at look at the Dritz novels. You know, they killed all of their book line, and you know, and so Bob is writing through another press. You know, there there was a deal struck, very similar to what you're talking about with Tracy and Margaret. A deal was struck so those books can still come out because people want them. Yeah. There is a clamoring for those. I mean, we, when we talked with. With Tracy, I mean, oh, I, can't, I can't pronounce Joe's last name. Uh, Joe Mignola? There, yeah, there it is. Um, you know, he is a diehard Dragonlance fan. He is a fantastic uh, actor. And this is someone that is still, that is trying to keep Dragonlance alive so much that he's printing you know, shirts and stuff like that. I'm sure he's been given permission to some. He purchased the rights for um, merchandising and a few yeah. other things a couple of years ago. And that's fantastic. Here, this is, I mean, that's proof that they're, and they're doing well from what I understand. That's proof that this IP has people want it. They desire it. They crave it. Why don't we give that to them? Why do we have to close end this where it's like, oh, we're just doing Faerun. Oh, um, do you want do you want the thoughts and the critical analysis on that? What Whoa. Alton has thoughts and critical analysis? Why? Yes. No, no, I know. Now I have to answer that with a question. Mm. Uh, is this the five minute version, which is going to take us fifteen minutes, <laughs> or is this the fifteen minute version that's going to take the rest of the episode? No, no, no. This is the this is the thirty second version that takes as long as it takes. Okay. Um, <laughs> no. So for 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 those of you who who don't know uh, or or haven't heard it by the way that I speak, right? Like, my my day job is as a director of strategy. So that's where my brain goes. Is like, okay, if I was managing this type of property, what would I do? And and with publicly available knowledge, right? What does that possibly suggest, as well as history of the past? Because Wizards of the Coast is an older company and it's backed by one of the largest corporations on the planet, right? So there's going to be a degree of in-play that, you know, inbounds that, that we can consider in-play. Um, we know that there were things that were a little bit ambitious on the tail end of 3.5 in terms of content that many of the analysts felt pushed D&D too far. Um, and and made it less consumable, less appealing. They did see a dip. Similarly, in fourth edition, some of the choices that they made in trying to expand lore and content also caused them some heartburn. What my gut says is that they are exploring Faerun as deep as they can, as long as books continue to sell and people are generally happy with what's going on, they're going to keep doing it. Yeah. But Knowing that Bob Salvatore is publishing their own, his own books, Tracy and Margaret are publishing their own books. There's lots of rumor mill that says that other artists and creators that have historically held intellectual property within Hasbro are pursuing their own deals and in some cases their own lawsuits, similar to those that we have seen from Tracy and Bob. Um, what that leads me to believe is that Wizards will likely try to take advantage of stuff that they don't have to pay for and we may see some amount of supplementary material that comes out if it does well then they'll do more and if it doesn't do well we will see sixth edition come early it's been well, almost a decade well i mean this is the the thing if you don't want to print it that's fine if they don't want to and they want to subsidize it then let's do that that way the content comes out uh you know that's kind of what we're seeing with Bob doing his stories elsewhere and Tracy and Margaret doing their stuff elsewhere. I'm totally okay with that. We see that in business all the time where it's like, hey, we don't have the bandwidth for this. There's a demand. Let's subsidize this out and get it out there. And you know, we'll take our cut. I'm totally okay with that. What I'm not okay with is the fact that they just 
wiped the board and said, no, we're not going to do this anymore. Who cares about the consumer? You know, basically us. And this is what we believe you want and know you want. When reality is like, okay, this is cool, but the whole point of this game, any role-playing game, is to play in the sandboxes we want to play. You know, if we want to play in Firefly, we're going to go get the Firefly game. If we want, you know, let's look at Palladium for crying out loud. Palladium, it's been on my mind. Anything. I know, and you know that's Josh's uh, sandbox, mm-hmm. and, and that has the flexibility and openness. You can do anything. I mean, Savage Worlds, same thing. If you want to play, and you know you're after mythical artifacts uh, of religious or or satanic uh, origins, you can do that. D and D doesn't have that flexibility anymore i i think they've kind of pigeonholed it mm-hmm. you know we used to have D modern um you know there were also some rules where you could play in a sci-fi type setting i, I mean th- those are all gone um you know and, and i keep coming back to i mean they've taken some of the best parts of other things and crammed it in here you know warforge you only saw that in eberron now it's in Room. Okay, cool. I mean, it makes sense. They're kind of golems. Uh, they're fun to play, but you know, now draconians are showing up in there. Um, okay, that's cool. But draconians are pretty much dragonlance. Um, mm-hmm. So those portals apparently are functioning, but not. So I don't know. Yeah. So Krebs, now that we have done a whole bunch of lore babble and techno babble, your direction. Well, what kind yeah. of questions do you have? Let's get some refinements over here because I've heard a lot of things and terminology that I want to make sure that we get a clear picture of. Okay, so Faerun, is it a continent? Is it a kingdom? Is it a land? Is it a world? Is it a dimension? What is Faerun exactly? It is a planet. No. No? Faerun no, no. is a continent on a bigger planet. Okay, so... Faerun is a that's okay that's okay Faerun is a continent on a larger planet now is this the quintessential earth-like that D&D takes place on or is this a different place um it 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 is the fundamental place where the vast majority of D&D content exists at least now that's not Mm. always been the case but um it was yeah the uh the uh, the world oh, that's right. is a beer Toril. Toril is the normally name called Toril. Yeah, Toril. Yeah. Dang it. I, and, yeah. and just for yeah. my reference, just for my reference, what is the relation of uh the planet's name is Turil, is that correct? Turil, yeah. yeah. Okay. So what's the relationship of Turil to Amalur? Amalur is another uh bob salvatore property but it's i thought it was still in like i thought it was still in the forgotten realms yeah um yes so it is in the forgotten realms but it is not on that planet it's um another one of the other it's another one of the realms on what's called the great wheel okay um which oh man okay that's a that's a whole other so thing. so so but now then, we're, we're yes. like using the rainbow bridge to get from asgard to midgard to jotunheim to amalur exactly. to okay cool all right I, okay now, this, this another, helps me understand another place another place that you very likely have heard of is the underdark the underdark yeah which, which exists on the same planet and is literally under pharaoh awesome Okay, that definitely. So, okay, I, I've, I've just been looking this up. There are seven different continents on that planet. Seven? What planet possibly has seven continents? Preposterous. Mm. Preposterous. So, but, but again, they only focus on the one, which is Faerun. Okay. Uh, well, at least since three point five. Yes. That now, was that was what that was the critical content that they say broke the camel's back on 3.5 was that they started to explore some of the other continents. And apparently that was too much for their audience. I don't know that I agree. I don't agree with that at all. Yeah. It's Um, almost like a rule system does not, is not bound by how much land you cover. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. Uh, and I get that Faerun is the largest of those. But I mean, I'm just looking over these. Uh, uh, Zakara is a mostly hot, arid realm dominated by elemental forces and a philosophy of fate and honor. It would have been really easy to say, okay, that's now Dark Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, let's see, Mastica, yeah, which is a primitive culture is bound by duty to their gods and gave blood sacrifice. I mean, that would totally be like an Aztec setting. I mean, th- this would have opened up a lot of really fun, cool stuff. Um, you know, uh, and Karoma, and Karomo, Ankarome, Ankarome, hardly explored, seemingly populated with violent elves and more uh, of humans found in Mastica. I mean, there's just, uh, we, I mean, we've seen drow. Drow are kind of nasty, but are these elves even worse than drow? That would have been something cool to explore. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's just a lot here. And, and again, this is where I kind of, this is where I struggle. It, the whole point is to explore and create and travel these realms, these worlds. And yet it's like, nope, we're sticking to this box. I mean, that's the whole premise even of the name is that that whole idea that there are realms that are forgotten to time, right? I, I think there's a, in the original logo, there was a, a runic font at the top that yes. said like, you know, uh, there are tales lost to time or something like yeah. that. Um, and and, and that, that was the whole premise is it was supposed to be this open-ended sandbox of, of we need, we have this cool idea for mechanical content. We need to create more that goes with it. We have a place yeah. to put it. Um, and funnily enough, the some of the mechanical things that were established as part of the Forgotten Realms are also some of the things that I think are holding Dungeons and Dragons back. Um, most notably, one of the critical pieces for Forgotten Realms is that deities are everywhere, right? And they are bound by yes. alignments and that that is one of the fundamental forces of magic. It's one of the form- fundamental forces of society, right? But... Because of that, it puts it into direct conflict with things like Kryn, who, while they've tried to do crossover compatibility into the traditional alignment of the original premises uh, for Dragonlance was an alternate alignment system. Um, And the farther that we create mechanical content that's dependent upon things like that, that's dependent upon the way that magic manifests, the harder it will be to unmire ourselves into other realms and other mechanics well i mean not only that i think alignment is just a sticky situation i mean let's take an average person there are going to be moments when that person may be chaotic evil you know if pushed hard enough there be maybe moments where someone is lawful good but honestly we're not pigeonholed into this is how we are you know i am lawful good and i will always do blah 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 we bend we weave I really hate alignment. It's something I really just, you know, yes, I make someone pick it, but I really don't enforce that. You know, it's just because it's an impossible goal to always achieve. I mean, that's something that I really liked about the Dragonlance setting. It wasn't this, hey, you have to have an alignment. And, you know, look at even the characters. They're all over the place. You know, Raceland was an evil wizard, but even through the storyline, there are moments of compassion, of of pity. Uh, I mean, so many different things, but he's evil. We have to hate him. No, I mean, that was so beautifully written in that character is, okay, he's doing something that he believes in. But the only way to do that is apparently follow this dark god, and so he had to wear these certain color robes. But there's these other group of people that everyone thinks are worthless, and yet he has so much compassion for them, and he pities them, and he takes care of them and protects them. Uh, just fantastic. And uh, now I I want to steer the Chris, I, I, for, first of all, first of all, you're absolutely right. Like the Raceling character is awesome, but but that's more Dragonlance. That's more n- novel let's kind of like guide the conversation back to this for a second. Cause I have more questions. I have like tons of questions. So 
you were talking about okay, how like back to Forgotten Realm. Yeah, <laughs> you were, you were telling me about how like Faerun, um, has like gates that take a that that allow us to like travel to different places or allow people to like enter the kingdom. Uh, and immediately my mind goes to you know you're like oh they can travel using portals i'm like oh portals you mean like tears in the space time you mean like i don't know like rifts or something but (laughs) but uh yeah Uh, so is that how it works in this game that you have like these these portals are they always open do they require like a magic invocation is it like a solstice thing how does how do the portals work and where do they go you know I'll be honest, it has been so long, I don't remember. I mean, because it's been removed from the game. Um, I just don't remember how it functions, which is sad. Um, But I remember, I remember in my, you know, my original, so my very first game I ever played, we were, we were playing in Fairroom, and my DM was running things and um i decided i'm just done with this you know i i didn't like how he was running it and so i used those portals i mean it was back in second edition and i used that portal to transport all my players to my new world um it 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 just it wasn't a an actual like built structure it was just some fluke a portal opens up beneath them they're transported to my world that way I could get them away from Faerun and I could go to my my own planet that I created that I can control and that I get to build the lore, lore for. And that was built into the rules. You could do that. And I think that was a fantastic way to get out of that world and I wasn't pigeonholed in there. Um, you know, there was a whole campaign setting called Planescape. Oh yeah, I forgot about who's... Planescape whose whole premise was being able to travel between all of the various planes and the worlds contained within them. And that's where a lot of the heaviest lore exists around how all of that works. But, um, you know, basically there are like, I think it's three main ways that it's going to happen. You've got, and they're very similar, but you've got portals, conduits, and gates, right? Um, uh, Portals are are kind of pre-existing openings they require some type of a key to open them right um sometimes naturally occurring portals will will appear that's one of the premises of planescape is the city of sigil happens to be very well connected to the rest of the wheel um but uh really a a more naturally occurring one is going to be something like conduits um these are going to present themselves more like you would see a, a flux or a tornado or a whirlpool or something that just is going to be open and turbulent for some period amount of time and then it's going to fall away um and then the the most rare are gates which are constructed magically opened you know high level magic um to be able to keep open for extended periods of time but that's where things like dimension door comes from uh is that that is a low level gate that's typically not going to take you between vast distances or huge gaps in planes of existence, but it's going to get you part way there at lower levels and at higher levels. You start to yeah. So I, I just kind of looked this up, and you know, someone posted a question: um, Has anyone compiled a list of known portals from Faerun uh, to other planes? And this is the exact response: Too many to count. <laughs> well, and that's. And that's good because that means that our DMs are not limited uh, or feel, they don't have to feel limited, right? If, if, if yeah, there's I mean, no maximum count, they can just do whatever they need to do, which is what they should do. Yeah, I mean, the, the portals would go to different planes. There are portals that took you to different places on the continent or different realms, uh, I'm, I'm sure to other, other continents as well, as well as to other worlds, which, you know, when Ed designed this, that was fantastic. That's a way that, you can go anywhere you want, you know, you can extend your imagination to other places. You know, if you don't like, you know, traditional medieval D and D, maybe there's a portal that takes you to, let's say shadow run. Uh, and you can do that or to a place ran by Nazis, 
uh, or, you know, Japan won World War II or something. Who knows? You know, those type of things. Or, or it could be that where, you know, it's kind of like the multiverse with, you know, the what ifs episodes That's right. that are out right now. That's right. You can yeah. do something like that. I think that's kind of the magic that's been stolen from this world, from this system, is we can't, I mean, we can still do it, yes, but there isn't that possibility built in the way it used to be. Hmm. That's fair. So there's kind of probably a last question that I'd like to ask that I'm specifically interested in hearing from Dan, um, but I'm also interested in hearing a contrasting kind of viewpoint from Krebs, which is knowing that there is other content that exists, right, in the larger sphere of content that you could possibly consume, some of which has already been traditionally implemented in Dungeons and Dragons, some of which hasn't, but might be a great campaign setting or, or you know, background to port in. What are some of the, let's, you know, maybe two or three that are like the very top of the list for you? Dan? Two or three like IPs or just two or three ideas? Uh, yeah, uh, either. If it could be an already established IP or it could be an aesthetic of a plane or some type of technological or magical situation that, that you'd love to see implemented in fifth edition. Okay. I mean, we've sort of seen it. You know, uh, some of these supplemental books have talked about kind of like Greek mythology. I love Egyptian mythology. I would love to see something along that lines. You know, a world that is where Egypt never died. You know, we, we kind of, you know, there's a little bit of Stargate, I guess, mm -hmm. involved in that, but it would be really cool that, you know, we go to a plane and it's like Egypt never left. The gods are still there. People are building pyramids. And it, it that just seems exciting to me. Um, something else that i would really love to see is um you know i really love, like dark sun it, that is a fantastic setting i really enjoy every every yeah, it's everything will kill you i mean literally if you don't have enough water you'll die it's so hot uh no one is really wearing clothing and to wear like suits of armor it's like jumping into a microwave you know it's just not feasible most people are fighting if you have a if you have a still sword, you are considered super rich and, and insane. Most people are fighting with bone weapons and, and wood weapons and things like that. That's what I loved about it because it was even more challenging. Um, and, you know, I, so we've gone history, we've gone uh, setting that's gone. The other thing that I would really, uh, an IP that I think would be really cool that D&D could be used for um, and it's kind of hard to, to pinpoint to that because a lot of these IPs have started up their own gaming, uh, role-playing system. Um, so if I was to have to pick, um, and this is going to sound really weird because I'm not a huge horror fan. But it would be really cool to have like a expansion set that's focused around John Carpenter's The Thing. Ooh, that would be so yeah. fun to go on an adventure into the Arctic and have crazy stuff going on, and that would be awesome. Yeah. So, funnily enough, um, excuse me, I got a bloody nose. Oof. You, okay, that's, so that's not funny at all elton what the heck <laughs> sorry um so funnily enough uh, all three of your suggestions first off i do agree with but for two of them i may have some good news for you um first as far as an egyptian setting goes um look to the pathfinder adventures uh, adventure settings mm -hmm. um galarian is the primary um world there and it is conceptually based upon the Forgotten Realms, but expands a lot out into a lot of the other continents and cultures that we didn't really explore within D&D. &D. Yeah. Um, some of my, my, my two favorite campaign settings so far from Pathfinder, coincidentally, are actually Egyptian and ice themed. Um, 
there's a there's a whole campaign setting that revolves around Baba Yaga that is fantastic. Oh. It's one of my favorite things to run. Um, but they also do take in some of the body horror funness that's there. Nice. Um, the second thing on that particular note is that the next Magic the Gathering set that's coming out is Innistrad, which has been a traditional horror plane. And I'm hoping that they're going to release some D&D content from Innistrad, including one of their penultimate horror creatures that was a huge feature the last time we visited, which was Thing in the Ice. Yeah. Um, so if I can find some content for you, official content there, I'll definitely share it your way. That's awesome. I, I, and I hate to say this, but I, I, I kind of, I'm frustrated with the fact that instead of bringing back one of these classic world systems, they're leaning into magic. I wish that would have stayed separate. I'm really not a big fan of the intermingling. You know, we got a rule book in for the fifth edition for magic. And then we have this weird magic, the gathering D and D version. I, I wish they would have kept the, those two separate, uh, those IPs separate and, and clean. It's here. We have to deal with it, but there's so many other better choices that we could have gone with than going to Ravnica. I guess that's the name oh, of it. You hurt me. Ravnica is one of my all-time favorite planes. And I've long before there was campaign setting there, I was building content around And, and I get that. It, but they own the IP. It's an option from a big business standpoint i get why they do it yeah but there's so many better choices we could have gone to first i i could definitely agree with you there now i also want to make sure to turn the question over to krebs one time palladium player alternate rules master you know (laughs) bucking the norm uh you know rebellious teenager that he is when it comes to role-playing systems uh krebs what could be three settings that would entice you to join a fifth edition campaign that is such a that's such a fantastic question so um i was i was thinking through it in my head and and trying i want to have answers that are different than daniel's although i have to say daniel you gave some excellent answers um i i definitely like i i want to take a setting that is not D, but that is complementary to D and inject that and one such setting that comes to mind uh, would be Gloomhaven. I think Gloomhaven has an excellent mythos behind it, world-building, uh, unique races and and world perspectives. I think a continent well, of for Gloomhaven would be an excellent well, funny choice. Funny enough, Gloomhaven just released a uh, role-playing type system that you can, yeah. What you, what you stealing my thunder for, man? I was going to come in at the tail end and be like, hey, I got some good news. But, but hey, this is, this is the true answer for Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people at home cannot see that. You but I flatter me, sir. I do agree. Um, the answer that he <laughs> I put my whiteboard up and it says, any world setting ran by all. And that's all. That's Chris absolutely is. true. That's absolutely true. Um. I also, as a horror fan, I am the horror fan in the group. And, um, you know, ideas like the Upside Down from Stranger Things, as was mentioned earlier, I thought would be a really cool place. I, you know, when it comes to like horror settings, my thought is banishment. Where could we banish a character to that would be an utter nightmare, but they could eventually fight their way back out. And I think the Upside Down is a wonderful setting for that. But I also would accept any world that was similar in concept to the asymmetric video game Dead by Daylight, where you have iconic uh, monster characters, iconic killers that are chasing an otherwise, you know, uh, nearly helpless group of people through uh, through an area and they have to find the way out to safety. They find the exit to safety, right? So I think mechanics like that would be really exciting, especially around this time of year. And then third... And I was really kind of wrestling with this one, uh, but I, I wanted to find a way to bring Palladium into D and D. And I, I, the the one thing I want to stay away from though is is the high technology. I do not want high technology injected in such a way that it ruins the mysticism. I understand the whole concept of like any sufficiently advanced technology appears as magic to the uneducated or whatever, right? Um, 
but I, I want to avoid that. But in rifts, there are uh, psychics, uh, people with psionic abilities, including things like mind melters and bursters, and you have uh, elemental wizards. There's a whole genre, there, there's a whole like, like giant breadth of a pantheon of magic users in rifts. Uh, it would be really cool to take people from that setting, pull them into something like Faerun, where that version of magic or that flavor of magic is alien to to the members of the Palladium family, as it were. So I there's there's lots of cool potential there. Those are the things that come to mind. I am so shocked. I'm <laughs> so, so shocked that the one answer I thought that you would say did not come up. What answer do you think I would say? Kroll. The balls the i curl. missed i missed an opportunity you're not wrong i should have said yeah. curl. man is krebs even a real fan i, I totally thought that oh. that was going to be one of those three and it didn't come out what, what the heck what what Such can i say i didn't want the world of Kroll ruined by your game but anyway <laughs> oh. Oh. oh oh man a glaive through my heart mm. Excellent, um, excellent reference. That being said, uh, I do have some good news for you on your other settings. Mm-hmm. Um, so some good news for you on your other settings. First off, if you do want specifically uh, Stranger Things, there was a limited run Stranger Things D&D set that was? came out. Yes, there was. was. a lot of fun. And there's been a whole bunch of supplementary digital material that's out there. Um, so that's really, really cool. But adjacent to it, the other two that I would recommend for adjacent worlds and adjacent systems are uh, Vampire the Masquerade, yes, which is fantastic. It's a D10 system, very popular, mm. um, gaining a lot of ground as, as well. Um, and Arkham Horror, um, which is a property primarily owned by Fantasy Flight Games, um, but it does an excellent job of modernizing Lovecraftian horror while still allowing there to be some additional space and room for that competition between what is magic, what is technology, how does each side understand the other? So some some areas to look at there. And uh, beyond that, you know, there's always homebrew. Yeah. And, there's uh, always homebrew. I, I would have to put crawlers, a- crawlers, you gotta tell those stories. A caveat with Vampire the Masquerade, it depends on what version what version you're playing no i can get behind that statement this is true yeah but but the over but the overarching story and ethos yeah. and mythos is really the the critical piece there for me from a flavor perspective of if i was going to port something into fifth edition i feel like that's a really solid foundational starting point yeah, yeah. well we are at the end of our quest through the realms of the multiverse of of gaming i guess that's what we're going to call this through <laughs> the realms of the multi gaming because that's truly what we've done um you know uh, clearly we're passionate about this we love gaming uh whether you're in palladium whether you're in D, whether you're in pathfinder or, or various other systems we love the concept of telling story becoming a, a character running through that story and adding to that story story i think is the whole point of it and we love doing that um and it's a way for us to participate in the story and you know when we're reading we don't have a lot of participation we can't affect the outcome we it, you know it's kind of like we're a passenger in the back seat and we, we're just along for the ride but when we're playing role-playing games we are in effect the driver um and it's so much more fun when when we're driving that car um so whether you love D or you hate it whether you love palladium or hate it whether you love pathfinder or hate it whatever whatever is your cup of tea when it comes to, to role-playing games uh enjoy that uh we're not definitely not bashing Faerun in any way there it's a great system but there are some problems and we we could say that about any game system out there we can say that about any world there are issues and everything because let's face it nothing is perfect but whatever your cup of tea is, whatever your game system is, love it, enjoy it, share it. And with that said, we'll catch you next time.
Yeah, and dungeon crawlers, whether it's set in a familiar realm or one long forgotten, tell your story, whatever may come. And whether your portals are on Rift's Earth or if they're in Faerun, always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the Force will be with you always.